Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Hooligan Report. I'm your host as always, SM, and joining me this week I have the ever-lovely Cookson. Welcome all. And joining us for the first time we have World Cup 22 Oz. Good evening. Let's jump right into it, lads. Um, great set of games that we've just had, uh, first round of knockouts. Uh, we'll start with looking at the Brazil-Chile game, which was a pretty exciting game. Yep, it was, well, flowing, had a lot of chances, surprisingly with David Luiz getting the first goal, which I thought personally was an own goal, then Sanchez pinging one back, then, yeah, it led to penalties, but it was a pretty entertaining game to watch. Yeah, what what were your thoughts, um, World Cup 22? Oh, yeah, no, I was just going to say, I thought that was uh, an own goal to you. It was a good game, yeah. Um, I mean, Brazil aren't, they're not looking uh, crash hot, put it that way. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been too impressed by them from their first game against Croatia. They just haven't really struck me as... A bit like Argentina, I suppose. They haven't really hit their stride. And I really backed Chile to, to get away with the result in this. And they were quite unlucky late on not to um, not to get away with the win before the penalties. Well, yeah, they hit the bar right at the end there. Is, is Neymar injured? Is that right? Or is he going to play? No, he's fit. Apparently, he's fit as he... Okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's a few players, actually, who've um, pulled up this sore. I think there was the news today that Nigel de Jong has um, pulled out of the well, he's, he's injured for the remainder of the tournament for the Netherlands. So, oh, really? Um, yeah, I think there's a bit of fallout from this round of games, which could have some ramifications later on in the tournament. Uh, well, it's the heat. It's the heat as well, so... Well, exactly. I mean, they're bringing in the, the drink breaks. What do you guys think of those? Do you think they've been successful in, in sort of... I mean, as you're saying, the heat's going to led to a couple of these injuries, but um, I mean, I see, it reminds me of, because I mean, they obviously do it in Australia with the A-League um, when they, they have the drink breaks there because of their heat, but it's good to see it, I guess, being implemented in such a big tournament. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's pretty much just like quarter time, really. Yeah. Standard footy games. Just, it seems very odd doing it. It's like, they're flows, then it's suddenly, bang, it stops. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's right. Yeah, you're exactly right there. And I think they only got themselves to blame, though, because they could have played more games at night, but they want to sort of pandered to the European television market. That's why all the games have been played in the middle of the day during the heat. I think it was it Van Hal who came out and actually said that they'd use the drink breaks to their advantage to sort of, um, I guess, yeah, update their tactics and, and shift the game style and stuff. So, I mean, it's good to see the, the managers, I guess, taking advantage of it, but um, it's a bit odd to see, I suppose. I mean, it's a bit strange to see on the world stage, I guess. Yeah, yeah you got to have it when it's 35 degrees, unfortunately. Yeah, well, exactly. Um, I guess the other game from uh, from that day's set of matches was the Colombia Uruguay game, which we'll we'll move on to. And I mean, Hamez, obvious highlight, yeah, Hamez Hernandez with that. Can I just call him James? I keep calling him James. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's Jimmy. It's Jimmy Rodriguez. Jimmy Rodriguez. <laughs> just yeah. sounds perfect. But yeah, he was. What a tournament he's having! Fantastic. Words going around that Real Madrid want him. They're going to ship off Di Maria and get him. Yeah, I heard that rumour, actually. Um, yeah. It's that kind of classic tale of player performs well at World Cup and big clubs go after him, and player not necessarily lives up to the expectation. That's right. You don't you don't buy players just off a World Cup. That hasn't worked in the past, generally. And um, Yeah, but this is Real Madrid we're talking about. So. <laughs> they buy anyone and everyone, I guess. Because he's, what, 23 years old? I suppose he's at that age where, I mean, even if he's not a success straight away, he's um, he's got time on it. Side. Yep. Develop, yeah. Uh, but I guess it's quite interesting. I mean, I only recently learned that he was playing at Monaco. Um, I was quite surprised to hear that because, yeah, Monaco, they've got the money, but they don't really have the prestige going with them. Well, uh, well I think the reason why he's at Monaco, same reason why Falcao's at Monaco, is <laughs> the 
third parties want to cash in. But yeah. yeah that's that's an issue with football. We've got third party ownership. I'm sure we all agree there. Yeah. It's, yeah, it was a, it's quite interesting, yeah. It was a good game to watch, very interesting. Colombia's been pretty entertaining so far, and I think who would they be facing next? Brazil, they got Brazil, Brazil, which I'm gonna, I probably would back Colombia against them because Brazil just look. I agree. I think they don't, it's a high scoring game, and Colombia might get over the top. I mean, apart from Neymar and Oscar, it's just. And even Oscar Brazil wasn't just, that great against yeah. Chile. Yeah. And just the tactically, I mean, William on the bench is just stupidity. Well, yeah, I mean, Colombia is striking me as, I mean, I think going into the tournament, they were talked about as the dark horse, and um, they're really impressing me. I mean, I hadn't obviously heard of many of their players going in, and I remember on the first podcast, sitting there talking about who would top their group, and, and I think um, Prosecutor had completely written them off for even getting through, but they've really impressed this tournament, and... Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they just I I would back them against Brazil. I think so. Yeah, I mean, last time they came in twenty years ago, they were they were um, heavily backed to do well, and they failed. But this this time around, they've been great, even without Falcao. Um, obviously, the other side of the coin in that match was Uruguay, and um, since thing. the last since the last podcast, I think there's been a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of an incident surrounding that side that we should talk about at least briefly with with a Liverpool supporter on the podcast. Uh, yeah. And that's obviously the Suarez bite. Um, how, do you, how What's your read on the situation? Oh, it's it's just it's disgraceful, and and the way that the, the Uruguayan FA have been going on about it, it's it's ridiculous, and it shows that they're a one man team as well. They just didn't like scoring without him, pretty much. Yep. Uh, yeah. What's, what's your take on the uh, punishment, guys? It's I reckon it's fair. I mean, this is the third time he's bitten someone. I mean. Do you think after the first time you would understand that the third time, I mean, it requires drastic measures and let's be honest here, Liverpool were an innocent party in this. I mean, he would have been banned for four months no matter which club he was at. It's just, like, if I was a Liverpool supporter, I'd be feeling pissed at Suarez going, mate, it's the third time. I mean, lift your game, son. Uh, it's just ridiculous and, uh, yeah, it probably is fair enough that... It's the first time FIFA's given a worldwide ban for something that's happened on the field. But that's, well, that's what I was gonna I was gonna say. I mean, I think the precedent was uh, you had to either assault the ref, be involved in match fixing, or or basically doping. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is obviously the first time it's involved something that's happened on the field. So it does yeah. set a bit of a precedent. I mean, personally, I I obviously biting's a dirty act, but I view deliberately breaking someone's leg as, as much worse because it's obviously potentially career-ending. Um, oh, that's exactly right. And, and just on the, the quarter-final match, um, France versus Germany, you lads probably don't remember, but in 1982, the, the German... Yeah, Tony Schumacher? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he put the guy in a coma pretty much for three months and he got nothing. That's a fair hip and fair hip and shoulder, that. <laughs> to the head. Yeah. Well, that's that's my that's my question. Is this sort of sets the precedent now? I mean, where do they draw the line when there's those sorts of extreme uh, acts of violence on the field? Will they now look to impose stronger penalties? Well, that's the problem. Yeah. Well, we just hope that other yeah. other countries don't ask for punishments or whatnot, or other other clubs say, "Well, this guy has been banned from international level." When I know a yeah. French player got ten matches for one really bad tackle that broke his opponent's leg, so that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, reckon well, yeah. It's increasing, but I just think that this is a once in a million thing because it's the third time Suarez has bitten someone. If it was the first time, he'd probably get again just nine basic matches for. I say fine, fine, two million pounds. Yeah, uh, that'd be better. 
Well, I think, that was- yeah, that, I reckon I reckon giving a fine might actually be better in a sense because let's be honest, international matches. You know, if it's an international friendly against I don't know um, New Zealand or something, I mean, how's that, it's not really punishing him. I guess the big punishment's missing out on the EPL games. Well, Uruguay can now schedule four or five um, dodgy friendlies to. Uh, they have to be competitive matches. Oh, do they? Okay, yeah. I didn't realize that. So, so that'd be presumably what qualifies well, for qualifies. Um, for the South American Cup or whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah. Next, I think it might be, I think I'm not sure about it, but I think it might be only World Cup qualifiers. Right, okay. Yeah, you're correct, Cookson. It's because, um, he's okay for Copa America because that comes under, doesn't fall under FIFA. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, um, but for World, for FIFA World Cup qualifiers, it will be, that's what the ban, the ban will apply to as, as from what I can ascertain. Um, and I guess we'll, we'll move on, um, to the other controversial figure from, from this round of knockouts, and that's Ian Robin coming out and admitting that he dived in the Netherlands-Mexico game, which they won 2-1. Now, he didn't come out and admit to diving for the penalty that actually won them the game, but he admitted to diving earlier in the game. Um, when a player comes out and admits to diving like that, surely he has to come under scrutiny. Yeah, he's talking about, I mean, we all know that oh, well, we all know Robin's a diver. It's just the way I look at it as though is that I will be frank, he was denied two pretty clear penalties earlier on, so... I agree with that. It's just kind of one of those things that just evens itself off in the end, I guess. It's cynic in me just saying, it was a bad look, don't get me wrong about that. It's just, I mean, I mean, that's... You have to feel very sorry yeah. for Mexico in one sense because of the, the the fact that the goals came so late to deny them the win. Uh, but, I, yeah, I, you do have to say, I mean, when a player gets a few pretty uh, blatant penalties, I'd say, turned down, can't really fault them when they do get a maybe slightly dodgy one. Yeah, he milked the penalty at the end, but I, it was it was there to give, I think, but he did milk it. I mean, it was, you know, it's one of those ones you can't complain if it wasn't given against, given, but you, um, you know... It, it can be one as well. You know, it's up to the referee's interpretation, really. Yep. Then we also have probably also one of the best substitutions seen is this Van Persie being chipped off for class <laughs> and Hunter last, which yeah. is it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the Hunter. Yeah, Van Al's got balls, which is only a good thing for us United supporters. But, yeah, it's probably a very good game. I mean, Schneider was a fantastic goal. Dos Santos was pretty good. And the Hunter at the end just iced it. Yeah, I had a bit of everything. I mean, I, I thought Dos Santos' goal for Mexico was absolutely brilliant. Uh, and we have, we've seen quite a few extraordinary goals at this World Cup. I mean, it's had a bit of everything. Uh, so Jimmy, again, Jimmy scored the goal of the tournament. Pardon? Jimmy scored the goal of the tournament. Jimmy Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's actually, I was actually quite surprised that a few people came out and still said that they thought Timmy Cahill's was the best. But oh, that's because no, they're Australian. Yeah. No, this was uh, uh, people tweeting into Sky Sports. So this was over in England. Oh, okay. So I was quite surprised at that, but no, I, I also agree. I reckon uh, Jimmy's goal was definitely the best. No, nah, it's on a turn. That's a different. Like his chest, yeah. you on a turn. That's that is just uh, that's that's very very difficult. Yeah. Well, we're gonna have fun watching through them all when choosing one at the end of the tourney. Yeah, there's plenty to choose from. Um, the other game, the other game from that day was Costa Rica Greece, which finished one one uh, with Costa Rica winning five three on penalties. Um, I don't know about you guys, but even just going into this game. Given the fact that these are probably the two of the weaker sides in it, I just had the sense it was going to finish 1-1. I mean, I could see there being a goal in it, but I could see it being a draw as well. Um, how did you guys read the game? Yeah, I, that's what I thought as well. I um, actually I uh, bet on on the, there being not many goals in that match, so I was happy with that. Um, and Greece is always they're, they're always in low scoring matches. Greece for some reason. Yeah. Boring. <laughs> I think there was there was a poster on the board. I can't remember 
can't remember his name now, but there was someone, a Greek supporter on the board, who was actually complaining and saying they have such an a, a aggressive team, such a fluid attacking side, and the manager's nah, just a dour defensive manager who puts these clamps on the side and has them playing this style of football. But yeah, they, they don't seem too impressive. I don't know where he gets the um, attacking football from. No, 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 I don't. I don't find them impressive at all. They're only in front for two minutes for the whole tournament. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I quite liked um, Ivory Coast had a bit of soft spot for them so I was quite unhappy when they got knocked out to start with yeah yeah no I'm, I'm glad Costa Rica went through I'm, I'm sure you guys both agree I think they deserve it um, and, the, and the handball the referee missed that's a good case for video technology I mean that was like, that's like a spoil in, in the AFL yeah that was <laughs> And he's a, he was an Australian ref as well, actually. Oh, um, Ben Wilson. Yeah, so it was quite quite impressive to see him refing um, that match, but given the fact that he missed the handball, it makes you think he might not be getting a, a call-up for a quarter-final anytime soon. Um, hey, he, he just been listening to the AFL umpires. Yeah, got to let the good spoils go. And, and also, it's probably a good thing Greece are out, as some of their names are a bit hard to pronounce, <laughs> to be honest. I'm going to stop a um, Cookson, how do you how do you rate Costa Rica's chances against Netherlands actually going into the quarterfinal? I reckon they're a fair shout, but I reckon the Dutch will get around. They have higher quality with Van Persie and Robbins in scintillating form, and young Memphis Depay will be paying out a lot of goals. <laughs> Very nice. Terrible <laughs> nice. there. But yeah, I mean Costa Rica do have quality. Ryan Ruiz, Joe Campbell, and. They're playing good attacking football and they're being quite entertaining and they have strong self-belief and that can carry you a long way in a World Cup. I think the thing the thing about Costa Rica for me is they've come out of a group which had Italy, England and Uruguay in it. So you can't really say that, you know, yeah. going up against the Netherlands that they've got no chance because they've proven that they can, you know, get up against the odds. Well, England are easy beats, so they don't count. <laughs> yeah, so, well, yeah, Italy, Italy, Italy and Uruguay <laughs> were still pretty impressive. Um, no, that was, yeah, you're right, yeah. Heads to take, yeah. No, I do agree, though. I don't think England put up too much of a fight. I think Costa Rica should follow the um, game plan we used against the Dutch, just press them a lot and use them, because they're really, they've got a lot of energy about them, Costa Rica, the way that they're, they're a very young, fit team, and just play the game. We we had a lot of success pressing. We, we made Holland play a lot of long balls and we played them. We lost 3-2. I think they should t- take the same approach. I think the Netherlands do struggle when it's a bit more open like that. I think when you when you really attack them and put them on the back foot, they get a bit unsettled. Yeah. Um, the- the Dutch need to go to four three three for this game, no three five two or five three two for this one. Yeah, well, exa- exactly. I think they need to um, get a bit more of a grip on the Costa Rican attacking force because, like you guys are saying, they have looked quite entertaining. Um, yeah, yeah, they are, and they should. Pre- if they keep pressing Holland, they'll cause problems. The, the worst thing they can do is just sit back and defend. I hope they don't do that. If they keep playing the way they've been playing. Well, so I think I could see them defending a bit more against Greece because Greece weren't necessarily as much of a threat as a, as the Netherlands. But I think against Holland, they really do need to go out on the front foot to have any sort of chance. Definitely. Um, so we'll move on to to the next game uh, to review, which would be the France Nigeria game. And France, probably along with Colombia, are the two the two sides that have impressed me the most. I think France have really shown a, a spirit of togetherness at this World Cup that has been lacking at, at previous um, well, you know, international tournaments. Um, and they're another one that could go quite far into the tournament. I'll take that one first because I'm a, I've got French background and I agree with you. They're, with with France, what what it is, they either they either have a great tournament or they fall apart. It's one of the two things. So what's happened this time around is um, Deschamps has gotten rid of a lot of the troublemakers and they're, they're all hungry as well. 
But I mean, it's quite a. I mean, there's a few of the older heads, but on the whole, there's quite a few young players there. You know, you've got your Pogba and Sacco who are playing and doing quite well. Um, I think there were a few eyebrows raised when Nazri was left behind, for instance. But as you say, I think he was one of the troublemakers at the last World Cup and done them good yep. to leave them behind. They've just got a solid team and they're really together. I mean, Lord's fantastic. Baran and Koscielny have been good at the back, in my opinion. They got Kubai and Pogba and Matuidi, who have been a pretty good midfield. Still disappointed. Winner as well. Yeah. The midfield's great, yeah. The midfield's their real strength. Um, and it's still it's shitty that Pogba's not in United. <laughs> <laughs> Benzema, who hasn't been at his greatest, but has still just been, he's chipped in with goals and been quite lively. He could have had six goals in this tournament yeah. if, if things went right for him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Griezmann's been pretty well, but Nigeria also very impressive. I mean, they did their job. They were attacking despite having Obi Meikle as their number ten. <laughs> you see that lovely back heel uh, nutmeg you did on Pogba? That yeah, was, that was uh, very impressive. Did you see Moses' attempted uh, spin? I know, I know, uh, SM didn't, but it was pretty hilarious. Yeah, I saw that. Laughed. <laughs> he tried hard at least that game, Moses. He put a lot of effort in, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, I've been impressed by Nigeria. I, I, I think they've actually, I mean, uh, amongst the Especially Africans, the keeper. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, they've had quite a few um, impressive players. I mean, the Nigerian keepers, uh, he did stand up last World Cup against Argentina, I believe, where he just was, he, Messi was going to score five in that game, but he just denied him time and time again. So, Iamana is a pretty good player, I'd say. Well, he was at fault for the first goal, but he did yeah. save them many times. I mean, he... He saved them two or three times over already. I mean, if you keep if you if you keep letting um, teams attack you, you're going to concede a goal eventually. Um, but just on the topic of keepers, I, I saw a really good stat, which was that um, there's 69% of shots have been saved at this World Cup, and with uh, Tim Howard's performance this morning, where I think he made 16 saves, which is an individual record at a World Cup match, um, keepers have definitely played a large part at this tournament. Um, you've seen the Mexican keeper Ochoa play an yeah. outstanding game um, against Brazil um, and and as you're saying the Nigerian keeper um, against France and yeah there's just been a few very impressive yep. individual performances yep and speaking of goalkeepers we should probably move on to Germany versus Algeria indeed or sweeper have... is it a sweeper or a goalkeeper yeah sweeper keeper exactly. 21 touches outside the box <laughs> that's fantastic and we'll probably all agree that Neuer is the best goalkeeper in the world yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say so, just about. Yeah, but Germany do look weak in the fullback areas. They need to probably put Lahm in at one of the fullback areas and maybe, I don't know who the other fullback is in the German team, but they're just, it might be width and pace of how you can beat Germany and... Yeah, they look very slow at the back, you're right there. They, um, they're playing with all four centre-backs at the back and that's... Um, it's bad kind of, strategy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the French could really exploit that. I think when you've got uh, Per Matasaker as one of your um, centre-backs, you're always going to get exploited to pace somewhat. Um, but it was interesting. I think Algeria's definitely had a, a very, very impressive tourna- tournament out of nowhere, really, that took Germany to extra time at nil-nil. And, um, yeah, I mean, obviously it was a bit hard to keep them out for 120 minutes, but uh, credit where credit's due, they, they have had a pretty good tournament. And I've probably also been disappointed slightly with how Goetze and Ozil have been going. I mean, they're just incompatible at a... Attacking mid for a role. I mean, I reckon they need to drop one of them for the French game. 
<laughs> the crazy thing is, Ozil obviously had a great start to his Arsenal career, but from about halfway through the season into the World Cup even, he's he's not looked very impressive at all. He has dropped off quite a bit, and he hasn't really had a great World Cup, um, but he might, he could just turn it on at any minute though. I think he, he's got to play, he's got to play for Germany more so than, than go, than uh, Gotze. If I was the German, if I was the German manager, I'd definitely play Ozil. They need to play more German style instead of trying to be Barcelona in white. <laughs> well, speaking of Barcelona, one of their players who's had an absolutely outstanding tournament so far, and Leo Messi for Argentina, has once again uh, single-handedly almost put his side into the quarterfinals with a little bit of help from Di Maria in their one-nil win over Switzerland. Um, there's been a lot said about. I mean, he can't seem to win fans over either. People criticise Messi for not doing enough for Argentina or, or he's doing too much for Argentina. I mean, is it a problem? Are they going to Messi too much? Well, you could probably argue, sir. I mean, they do have other quality players, but they're just not performing, sir. And Messi in his attacking midfield role is just, well, he's pretty much being Diego Maradona-esque, really. Just all he needs <laughs> is that right, classic yeah. ball. They should have taken Tevez to the tournament. He had a great season in Serie A. I don't know why they didn't take him. Um... They should have taken Tevez, um, I believe. And, but their, their problem also is that they're just too top-heavy with attacking players. Yeah. I think, I think we mentioned that on an earlier podcast, is that they do have such a wide array of attacking options. But it's ridiculous. A very, very, very um, thin in defence. Yeah, it's going to cost them when they play um, a, a big team. Uh, they're, they're playing... Who are, they, who are they playing in the quarter? For? Belgium, that's Belgium. right. Belgium. I'd back them over Belgium just because Belgium have been so unimpressive for me. But um, you look at Romero's performance, for instance, and he's just got the case of the butterfingers. And talking about how good the goalkeepers have been at the World Cup, he's definitely not one of them. Oh, awful. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, who does he play? I, what's his name? I don't even know who he is. Uh, Sergio Romero. I think he's the bench. He's the backup keeper at Monaco, I believe. Or oh. well, I could be wrong on that. I'll just have a look. Um, he plays for Sampdoria. There you go. But on to Monaco for, um, for 2013 onwards. He's probably played like three games. Well, there you, that says it all. Yeah. I mean, it's just the way I see with Argentina is, is that they're playing a 4-3-3 and it's kind of forward. They need to sit to a 4-2-3-1. Just have Mascarano and Gaga as solid defensive midfielders. Then you could exploit using the front four, say, De Maria, yeah. uh, Messi in the middle... Levetsi maybe on the left? Yep. Oh, and and yeah. Higuain. Higuain up forward or Aguero up forward? Yeah. Aguero is, is Aguero still out? Is he still injured? Yeah, he's injured. Yeah, so Higuain <laughs> up forward. Yeah. A bit worrying how much Aguero breaks down, isn't it? He's always getting injured. Yeah, well, it's um, perhaps worrying signs for the Man City supporters. Um, but At his yeah. age anyway, 26, isn't he? Yes, well, exactly. He's not, he's not particularly old. I think he's 26 or 27, so but you'd think that's pretty much the prime of his career. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's why I should have taken Tevez, I believe. But yeah. I mean, there's obviously issues with the manager there. I think of Argentina that don't get on. And... I, yeah, I believe that was the case. There was um, some issues between Tevez and uh, the manager, which might have led to him not being taken. But I do agree. I think Tevez would have been a good option to have for them. Well, we know he's a prick. Everyone knows that Tevez <laughs> is a prick. But I mean, he's well, he's a good prick. He, he knows how yeah. to play football. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, we'll move on to the to the last match, which finished this morning, which was um, Belgium against the USA. We've already touched on the performance from Tim Howard and how out, yeah, 16 saves, absolutely outstanding from a keeper in a World Cup match. I think is is a record. Um, I felt that the USA were quite hard done by in this match. I, I don't know, that might just be me, but I, th- I I haven't been convinced by Belgium this tournament, um, and I really backed the States in for the win. 
Yeah, they did. Um, they were very unlucky, and I have I've really appreciated the way that Clinton's got them playing. Um, I think Belgium's problem is they've got too many. Um, everyone thinks they're just going to be this world-beating team because they've got all these good individual players, and they're not quite coming together yet. Um, I think they're a bit too young, to be honest. I think this yeah. World Cups have won one more cup too early for them. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, um, you're right there. They 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 will, they will come good, I think. But um, it, yeah, I, I don't know if they're going to. It's a bit. Of, this is a hard one to pick. Um, Argentina and Belgium and. Yeah, I was about to. I was about to ask. I mean, after this game, I'll, I'll get your tips for each of the um, quarterfinals. But um, yeah, how do how do you rate Belgium's tournament so far? Well, so they've been they've been average, but they've been winning, which is a good thing. I mean, they got quality all around the park. It's just again, it's just not clicking for them. It's just they haven't found a good system or formation. Or I reckon they'd lack some fullbacks. Yeah, well, I think like Germany. Yeah, they're playing uh, centre backs as fullbacks, yeah. aren't they? Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's just. It's really, it's a stupid idea. I mean, I've seen Chris Smalling be playing at fullback and it's just, <laughs> he's not. It's just, d- d- don't play centre backs at fullbacks. It's just stupidity, but. Who are they playing there, Vermaelen? Pl- I, I didn't see the lineup. Who? I, I think it was Vertongen's been playing at right yeah. back for them or something. Vertongen's at a left back, which left I can kind of understand since he's fast, but again, he's a centre back. And Ando Wield is the other fullback. But it's just, I mean, this is, I mean, you've got Fellaini and Witzel as box-to-box midfielders in a double pivot. You've got Hazard, Mertens, De Bruyne. You've got young Orji, who was pretty it good was then, but it was Lukaku who made the difference again. Yeah, all those damn Chelsea players. I think I saw a stat that I actually, I mean, Chelsea's had quite a few players score, but I think Man United's actually had the most players scoring at this World Cup. So I, I think I said last and I mean, your players know how to score at the right time of the season, don't they? <laughs> Building up. This is a good, solid pre-season for the <laughs> boys. solid pre-season, yeah. That's exactly it's a World Cup. Van Hal's taking Van Persie off, you know. He's, he's had enough of him. He's just oh, laying down some discipline, laying down yeah. the law. Keeping him in cotton for the Premier League season. Cotton yeah. <laughs> so I'll, we'll move on to the to the quarters. I'll just get, you guys, get your tips on the games and get some quick thoughts on them. Um... How do you see France-Germany playing out, Cookson? I see it being probably a high-scoring game, but I see Germany winning probably in extra time in the 3-2 thriller. It's just, it's just how Germany... It's just it's what Germans do to France. They just break their hearts all the time. I mean, honestly, you've Blitzkrieg. seen it through world history. <laughs> and Blitzkrieg, wars. <laughs> yeah. How about, how about yourself, uh, World Cup 22? Uh, yeah, I, I think I agree with Cookson. I, I was going to say also, um, I think it'll be 2-2 um, at full time. Um, and uh, and then I think it'll go to penalties. And unfortunately, usually the Germans win penalties. So. But Gary Lineker say football's a simple game. 22 players run around the field and in the end the Germans win. Exactly right. I mean, I've got, I, I was good enough, lucky enough to, to put some 50 bucks on the French when they were 25 to 1 to win the tournament. Um, but it's going to be tough for them to, to well, win. I, 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 I will speak from, um, the, from hope more than anything because I've got France in, in the work sweep and say that I could see France pulling out a 2-1 or a 3-2 gritty win against the Germans. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, but I can, I can also see where you guys are coming from. The Germans do seem to have that extra gear that lifts them in these sorts of tournaments. Uh, how about, how about Brazil, Colombia? Brazil, Colombia. I think I think Colombia will win two one. And Cookson? Yeah, I'd probably back that. I mean, Brazil just 
I mean, you got Fred up front, who's honestly is about as useless as Torres. <laughs> then you got just Scolari's made some quite glaring tactical errors, and I reckon Colombia have quality which will defeat Brazil. Yeah, and I'll, I'll go with Colombia as well. I think they've got quality all over the park, and they've they along with France have been one of my and probably Germany have been one of my teams of the tournament. They've just looked very very impressive, and as the South American side. Um, Two, two South American sides in a row for Brazil. Um, I reckon Colombia will get up. Um, how about Argentina, Belgium? Argentina, 1-0. It's just... Belgium's been Messi. kind of out of form. And yeah, we Messi. <laughs> now we Messi won the strike, yeah. I expect Messi from about 25 yards on the left. It's probably just a bit of dribbling. Then he curls it around Courtois. Yeah. How about yourself, um, World Cup 22? Yeah, I, I think Argentina will win that as well. Um... I think it'll be two one. Uh, I, I think they will concede. They will concede because it's Argentina. They they concede with they've got an ordinary defence and an ordinary keeper. But um, I think Messi will, will get two goals. And um, yeah, I, I can't see uh, Belgium uh, getting over Argentina in this one. Yeah, I mean it's a battle of two un- pretty underwhelming sides for mine. I mean I expected a lot from both of them coming in, and neither of them have really delivered. But yeah, look, I probably agree. I think Bel- uh, Argentina will probably get up in that one. Uh, Messi will have a hand in it, I'm sure. A uh, score? SM? A score? I'll probably, I'll probably agree. I'll say two-one. I reckon. Yeah, the Argentinian defence isn't great, so I reckon uh, Messi one goal, Di Maria one goal, and we'll say Lukaku one goal. Um, how about Netherlands, Costa Rica, guys? I see the Dutch winning probably. 2-0, with Van Persie and Robin scoring again. But it probably will be a fairly open and entertaining game. And World Cup 22? Yeah, I can't see anything other than a Dutch win here. I think it'll be 3-1. 3-1 to Holland. Uh, they will concede again, because they, again, not, they don't have the greatest defence, I, I feel, compared to the other teams. And it'll be a combination of Van Persie and Robin scoring. Um, two goals for one of them and one goal for the other. They're... Uh, they're pretty, looking pretty good up front, the Dutch. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. I think it's going to be a pretty open game, pretty attacking game, but um, I do think Netherlands will probably win it relatively comfortably in the end. I, I could probably see a 2-0 or a 3-1 or something like that. Um, Costa Rica have, have been very impressive and one of, one of my teams at the tournament in terms of um, beating expectations, but I think their run will probably come to an end against the Dutch. Um now, guys, we've got a bit of time left, and there's been a bit of movement in the transfer market that I thought we should touch on, um, not least of all because I believe there's been a few significant moves for both my club uh, and for your club, World Cup 22, with Lalana signing in the last day or so for $25 million. How do you see that transfer? Um, yeah, look, I, the feet? Um, I think it's the sort of player that we want at Liverpool. He fits in the uh, Brendan Rodgers system, but, uh, I mean, clearly it's... We're paying an, uh, an English tax, so to speak, on on Alana. I, I thought, and I've said previously, that we should not be uh, spending more than about eighteen to twenty million pounds on him. But I, I hope he works um, because he's not he's not that young. He's twenty six. Um, if he fails, we probably won't. We probably only get ten million pounds back for him. And do so, you do do you think you'll swell, uh, sell Suarez in the end? Uh, that's that's a tough one. Um, I think I think I think if they come, I think if Barcelona are prepared to put up eighty million pounds, whatever the, the fee is, that the, the release fee, or 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 if Sanchez wants to join Liverpool, we don't want to take Sanchez if Barcelona are saying are pushing him to, but if he wants to join us, I mean, we'd, we'd I'd quite happily take fifty million 
plus Sanchez or or forty million plus Sanchez. I'd, I'd happily do that. He's, he's he's banned for the first twelve games. Yeah, that's why it's quite interesting that um, following his apology to Cellini, Barcelona's actually come out and praised him for his ability to be um, humble. So I mean, it says a lot about Barcelona's intentions, perhaps. Yeah. Oh, well, so, with um with Hull SM. Look, it's been a busy couple of days. It feels like it's a game of FIFA or something with the amount of bids and transfers flying about the place with Livermore signing last week for um, a much deeper fee than I would have been happy to accept initially. Um, You're ruining football, someone said. Yes, I think it was uh, NFG Kizza said, we're ruining football, we're the third highest spenders of 2014, <laughs> uh, which is an odd feeling as it's quite a small club and... Snodgrass joining for seven million is the other one. Uh, Tom Ince is the latest name to be thrown about. Blackpool are wanting an eight million pound fee for him because he's under the age of twenty three, which I believe uh, requires a fee even though he's out of contract. Um, That's correct. Yes, you get a, a youth development fee. Yeah, so I, it sounds like we're going to be trying to push for about a fee of four to five million, which if we can achieve that, would be I'd be quite happy with. Um, and the other one's Michael Dawson, the younger brother of Andy Dawson, who spent about eleven years with us. So I, I'm not a I'm not the biggest fan of Michael Dawson. I think he's a bit slow. He's on the way out. Um, it was probably his fault, uh, potentially, for a couple of the thrashings they suffered last season. But with our captain, Robert Corrin, being released by the club, I think a bit of experienced head around the club. We don't have that many players that side of 30. Uh, might might not be the worst thing for the club. So I think those are the main transfers. I think there's a few younger guys we're looking at getting as well, uh, just on the fringes of things. But, it's been yeah, it's been a busy couple of days for us. Um, Cookson, how about how about United? Who are, who's United got lined up? Um, We've got Luke Shaw brought from Southampton for twenty-seven million pounds, which the, the latest in the uh, Southampton recruits. Yep, yeah, yeah, a bit expensive, but again, it's young and English tax, which makes him the most expensive teenager of all time. Then we have brought Ander Herrera from Atletico Bilbao, which Good signing he is, and uh, negotiating with Bilbao is about as easy as bloody pregnancy, I guess, for a guy. <laughs> It's impossible, but, but yeah, pretty good signings. And I believe this is what I think what I've been reading and what I've been hearing is that we might be in for William Cavallo for £37 million, possibly sniffing out Altoro, Vidal and Sanchez. Pogba? And, uh, I'm not too sure about Pogba. I think Pogba will be higher than Vidal. <laughs> but also Strutman, which is apparently a lock-in for January for about £25 million. But, yeah, also some continental transfers, as we now do this. We've got Lewandowski went to Bayern Munich on a free, but Dortmund have responded with getting Nuri Sahin and Chirio Immobili. Then Munich, again, brought in Lewandowski, brought in Rode, both on freeze, so I'm not sure what Guardiola is thinking there. Then we'll go to Barcelona, which, as of today, have not completed any moves for Suarez or anyone else, but they got... Uh, to Stegen, Rafinha, and the Fulubak, and they've also signed Ivan Raktic. Oh, the transfer ban was cancelled, wasn't it? They had a transfer ban initially, but that was suspended. Yeah, suspended, and they got some young. Raktic Czech- is one that player. I really, which is one I really rate, and so I was actually ah, yeah. quite impressed they managed to get him yeah. um, pretty cheap or free. I think one year for contract, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, one year for contract, and he wanted to stay in Spain. So it's, what can you do, really? I mean, no one else is going to buy him. But also, Chelsea bought, uh, was it Fabregas, and they're believing get Costa. 
Yeah, That's I think uh, terms have been reached with Costa in the last 24 hours or something, I believe. He didn't have the World Cup, did he, Costa? He looked, didn't look. That's that's the thing. I mean, he was looking so impressive last season, and he's now come out with a pretty average World Cup. And Chelsea fans might might not be blamed for thinking, "Is this the new Torres coming along?" <laughs> so it'd be interesting to see how that one pans out, because I think Chelsea seems to be a bit of a striker's graveyard these days, since the since glory God. days of uh, Anelka and Drogba. And also in different news, the Real Madrid club shop are selling number plates with hammers written on it. Okay. They're getting a bit ahead of themselves again. Well, a bit like they did with Gareth Bale, and that one came to fruition. So Real Madrid are the sort of club where if they really want a player, they seem to manage to get them. So I think it's a case of watch this space. It's going to cost a fortune, though, because Monaco has just bought him in the last year, haven't they? They they, they spent a fortune on him, didn't they? they? Yeah, Yeah, so they're, they're not going to mean... They're the sort of club that can afford not to sell a player. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you've got pl- yeah clubs with that sort of finance behind them. They don't really need to sell. Yeah, but it's Madrid, and what they want, they usually get. Yeah. Well, it will be interesting. It's a, a case of watch this space. And thank you to both of you for, for joining me this week. Uh, it's been a pretty full-on week in terms of football. Um, so so thanks for coming on. It's a pleasure, mate. No worries. Thank you, uh, thank you both. Yeah, and and thank you thank you to everyone listening. Um, we'll be here this time next week, and until then, we'll see you on the forums.